0: Welcome to a podcast about Hilton Head Island and the Lowcountry. Amber Kuhn from the Sea Turtle Patrol is here. Amber is going to share with us the importance of the loggerhead sea turtles that nest here on the island, what the patrol does, and how we can help the loggerhead turtles have a successful nesting season as we travel down 278 to Lighthouse Road. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hilton Head Golf Vacations. If you are planning a golf trip to Hilton Head Island, let Hilton Head Golf Vacations do the work for you. Hilton Head Golf Vacations has over 20 years of experience providing custom golf packages. They offer over 25 courses to choose from, affordable high-end golf club rentals, and even offer accommodation packages. Don't lug golf clubs through the airport and pay exorbitant additional baggage fees. Let Hilton Head Golf Vacations do the work for you. Visit HHIGolfVacations.com and book your trip today. Welcome to this episode of 278 to Lighthouse Road. I am your host, Jay McCain. Amber Kewen is a Lowcountry native, a marine biologist, and one of her greatest passions are the loggerhead sea turtles that nest here uh, on Hilton Head every year. Amber is the head of the Hilton Head Sea Turtle Patrol. Amber, thank you for joining us today. (laughs) Thank you. How and when did the Sea Turtle Patrol uh, get started?
1: Well, it it goes way back. Um, There were Bicyclers on the beach and and volunteers that were doing their best to cover mostly strandings, uh, believe it or not, rather than nesting in, in 1980 and 1981. But the official sea turtle patrol started in 1985. Um, I began working with the sea turtle program in 1998. So this past season was my 22nd year on the beach, and it, it wasn't all Hilton Head. So I worked on Hilton Head for three years, went to graduate school in Fort Lauderdale to a school that managed all of the Broward County beaches for sea turtle nesting. So I was on turtle patrol in Fort Lauderdale. And then when I moved to Hawaii, I participated in the Hawaii Wildlife Fund um, Hawksville sea turtle nesting along with some green sea turtles as well. And then when I came home, I went right into the the sea turtle patrol in Hilton Head again as a staff member and then eventually managing the project. And um, I believe we started that and. 2014.
0: When is the loggerhead nesting season?
1: It is May 1st officially. So we start patrolling every day. I'm starting May 1st and then we will patrol until the last nest hatches. So officially October 31st is the last day of sea turtle nesting season, but we'll, October 9th was our last one this year. So it's different every year on Hilton Head.
0: So why is this effort important and what role do the turtles play in the, the whole ecosystem?
1: It's important because we're trying to recover a population that was extremely depleted due to um, fishing practices, mostly. So front boats and long line fishing and, and that sort of thing. Um, we also have boat strikes now as, as kind of one of the main ones. But because the loggerhead and the green have to be 25 to 30 years old to reproduce, a lot can happen in that time period to to get to, to have an animal die that's that age and it took that long to get there. It's really hard to, to get a recovery. So if we started in 85 and, and then you add 30 years approximately, 25 to 30 years, we get around 2010 is when we started to see this uptick in nests. It was a sudden increase, just exponential kind of going up, 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 up. And now it's, you know, it, it oscillates because sea turtles nest every, uh, they skip a two years and then they nest on the third year. Uh, so not every year. So the different populations that are alternating um, have something to do with the nesting numbers. But um, it's definitely working because we know that because of the the n- numbers from way back compared to that very critical time in 2010 when those turtles that were being uh, saved on the beaches became sexually mature to come back to this area to nest.
0: Are the loggerheads an endangered species? Do you know what the population actually looks like?
1: So there are seven different species of turtles, sea turtles on the planet. Um, we will see six in the United States waters. The Australian flatback is only in Australia. They are part of the Endangered Species Act. So, there are nine different populations in the United States that have their own designation. So, West Coast and East Coast have even different designations. They're all endangered species, but some of them are uh, deemed threatened versus critical, and it depends on what coast you're on. On our coast, the loggerhead is threatened and the The um, Kemp's Ridley is critical. It depends on the species and where you are.
0: So tell me exactly what you and the volunteers actually do when you go out uh, on the beach.
1: So there's one permit um, for every beach in South Carolina, and it's distributed by the Department of Natural Resources. I have that permit, and the 15 staff members, volunteer staff, um, work under that permit. We gather, um, four of us usually at five o'clock in the morning where we're going to get the vehicles out because we've got 14 miles of beach to cover. Uh, we got, we've got we got a Jeep and we've got a John Deere gator. Gator goes north for uh, two miles and then back and then the Jeep does the other 12 miles. We are looking for tracks from turtles that have emerged the night before and it's hard to miss because like I told you before it's a 400 pound animal so it does leave a mark when it comes sure, to, yeah. to nest, um, people are, it amazes me that they can't see it or they just don't notice it. I'm not sure. Uh, but when we're looking for the tracks, we follow it to the top. There's a body pit up there. And in that large circular area, there's about a six inch hole that we're looking for. And that, uh, is found with a probe. We, we probe the sand for consistency. So if it's not been disturbed, it's pretty compact, pretty compact. But when we get to the area where she dug, and we've got about a foot of sand on top of the eggs. You can feel how loose that sand is from her digging. And she's tried to pack it down because she doesn't want the eggs to move within the chamber, but it's still looser than uh, the surrounding area. When we locate that chamber, we put poles around it so that people don't accidentally dig a sandcastle through it put an umbrella through it, you know, they're not going to sit on top of it. Sure. And that way, you know, we, do, we move about half of them because if they are laid below the, the spring high tide line, which is the full moon, then we need to move those eggs above the spring high tide line. Okay. So the turtle might come up on a quarter moon and the tide didn't get that high. And she got into the dry sand later eggs, but when the full moon comes and those eggs have to be there for two months, you know, it could cover the nest. So that is um, the, the guideline from DNR that we can move a nest and you can do it within the first 24 hours. We can, that's why we go out every day. So if you have to move a nest and let's just say we didn't find it the day it was laid and we found it the next day, it has to stay where it is because that's when the embryo attaches to the inside of the shell and starts to grow. And if the shell of the egg is rotated It detaches and will not reattach. So just movement inside the nest. If someone were to dig in there, check on the eggs, and then cover it back up, every single one that they rotated most likely will be null. There's a lot of training that goes into this, a lot of biology that's important. And when people get curious and they don't know what they're messing with, Sometimes they would be surprised at the devastation that they cause.
0: So why is it important to monitor those nests and kind of track what is happening with the, the nesting patterns and, and how many uh, are hatching every year?
1: So the state has a number that they're they're aiming to reach for a recovery. Um, since it's a federal Endangered Species Act, it's federal. I'm not sure um, if they have a number that is the, the magic number where we've got a recovery, but It's important to get as many hatchlings out there as we can. So each nest has about 120 eggs in it. Um, Let's just say all 120 hatch, and they they walk toward the water. They kind of fan out as they're walking toward the water. And that should be the brightest horizon. In other words, no dark dunes, dark structures, trees, maritime forests. It should be the moon reflecting on an, an open horizon. So they're using their eyes to find the ocean. But when they do, they fan out so that they all don't enter the water at the same exact point. And one of the reasons that that could be is because as soon as they hit the water, they've got predators such as fish, and pelicans, all sorts of, of things will eat a hatchling that's as big as the palm of your hand. They go out, maybe one in a hundred will make it to their destination, which is the Gulf Stream, because all of their other brothers and sisters got eaten. So... If we have a situation where there's a light on and the hatchlings all go that way, maybe there's like a couple that go the right way, which is pretty rare. Usually they're all in the same mind frame, but maybe they go there and the two that enter the water have no chance because the predators will find them. So my goal is to get as many into the water so that that one or two can make it. So the predators have the food that they need. It's a three day swim to the Gulf stream, 70 miles offshore of Hilton Head. If you're born in Fort Lauderdale and you're a sea turtle, you have a one day swim, five miles to the Gulf stream. Yeah. South Carolina, (laughs) you got a longer trip. It's a long trip. Yeah. So a lot can happen there.
0: So how many nests are there each year and how many hatchlings are, are you seeing kind of on average?
1: So, there are uh, average about 300 nests every year. We were a little bit below average this past season with 291. But if all of them hatched, and not all of them did, but if we had all of them hatched, it would be about 29,000 hatchlings, right? Okay. We lose 13% of them, or we lost 13% last year to beachfront lighting ordinance um, violations. So, they all went the wrong way, in other words. Some of them didn't hatch for whatever reason. Maybe it was too hot. Maybe it got covered um, on one of these king tides that we have, which is kind of hard to avoid on Hilson Head when the water goes into the dune past the sand. (laughs) We're having an issue with very extreme tides, and that could have to do with climate change. There are several thousand hatchlings that make it into the water. But just from human impact, we're going to lose, last year we lost you know, close to 4,000 hatchlings. So because they're so long-lived, you have to put a lot of them out there. And they lay more than one nest in a season. So 291 nests on Hilton Head Beach. That does not mean that we had 291 individual females. Some of them lay two on Hilton Head. Maybe they'll pick another beach. Some of them... Lay, they lay four to six in a season. Maybe they'll lay all six of their nests on Hilton Head, but some of them do the tri-state area. So, Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina. And the reason we know that is because we take DNA from every nest the day it's laid. We take one egg out of every nest. We break it open. We put the yolk in a vial and the eggshell in a vial. If you look at the eggshell, Under a microscope, it looks like the craters on a moon. It looks like a little bitty moon. And as that egg falls down her cloaca, it scrapes her tissue on the way down, and it's lodged in those crevices. So there's a scientist at the University of Georgia who can determine which individual laid it. So we have a whole catalog of all sea turtles since 2010 that have approached our beaches. We know their sisters. We know their mother. We (laughs) Their grandmother. There are two grandmothers nesting in uh, South Carolina. That means they're over ninety years old. If they have granddaughters that are old enough to nest,
0: that's pretty amazing, isn't it? I
1: mean, this this project has become such um, an information getter that it gives us an idea. Not, you know, we can't go by how many nests we have. That would have been a very bad um, prediction. We can now determine exactly how many females we have so on the way to recovery is going to take a little bit longer now that we know that we know basically nothing about the males because when they leave the beach they never come back to the beach Sure. so they have to be caught in the water to determine you know their their genetics <laughs> and they do that in south carolina there is a program that does that too but we cover way more area Every beach in South Carolina, Georgia, and North Carolina does this project.
0: Just to give people an idea of how kind of monumental this this project and uh, is, uh, how long will it take to actually get the population, you know, especially the loggerheads, since they're uh, primarily on Hilton Head, to actually get those populations back up to where they need to be?
1: You know, it's hard because how do we know what it was? There are several written accounts of how many turtles were in the ocean, you know, even George Washington. Some of these just, uh, you know, turtles for miles. So we weren't keeping track of things like that in the past. So we don't really know how many turtles is a real recovery. I think that number that they just pick out of the blue is just a guess. We don't know exactly what happens when you remove a species of sea turtle from the ocean. But because sea turtles have evolved for over 80 million years, they saw the dinosaurs come and go. They have (laughs) been been here (laughs) for a while. And something that has been a part of, you know, the ocean environment for that long, it's kind of like, I always refer to it as a Jenga puzzle. You know, where you have the tower and you're pulling pieces out one by one. So there's an endangered species that goes extinct. There's one and the tower hasn't fallen yet. But then you take one out and then it just goes it crumbles. So I think that they are a keystone species that we have to pay attention to because they're one of those pieces of the puzzle. No one really knows what would happen to the ocean environment.
0: For the visitors to the island and and even, you know, for locals that, uh, you know, haven't really been educated on the turtles, talk a little bit about the danger of digging holes and leaving stuff on the beach and, and the efforts that we can actually make to make sure that the turtles have uh, a successful nesting season?
1: There are several things that visitors can do. And, and I don't know if their behavior is a result of COVID last year or what, but we had some major problems. These holes are dug with full size garden spades. So we're talking about you bring your, your garden shovel to the beach metal full, you know, as tall as I am. And these holes are deep enough to, you know, have a grave site. (laughs) (laughs) And they're big it might be a few. Human being. Yeah. So I don't understand why those holes have to be there in the first place. Um, nobody can sit on the beach and just relax anymore. They got to be busy, I guess. But Hilton Ted actually did pass an ordinance last year uh, that says that a hole cannot be deeper than a foot. You have to fill it in you before you leave, you cannot dig it with a shovel that is metal or bigger than 30 inches. Um, this is really hard to enforce. So, and I think one of the reasons why we got it passed to begin with is because it was brought to the attention of the town council that if a person walking at night were to step into this hole, they would break their leg. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it would be bad. Uh, so there's liability there. So we have an ordinance. We try very hard to inform people, but you can't give a ticket for somebody who dug a hole too deep, really. Um, but what's pr- the problem is for sea turtles is, you know, they use visual cues, but they're in the dark and they're aiming for a light in the distance. So they're walking down the beach and there's this massive hole and they all fall in and it's like six yeah, feet and they're deep. Lo- yeah, they're
0: looking around going, what happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, they can't get out. Yeah. So as soon as the sun comes up, all the predators go in there. You've got the ghost crabs and the gulls and the crows. And so they get eaten before they even had a chance and remember it's that one in a hundred that i'm looking at sure so if half of them fall in a hole and half of them make it to the water it's likely that that half are all going to be eaten because you need a you need a lot of them to avoid all the predation that, that's going on
0: sure <laughs> What what what's the the messaging to people about making sure that they take what they brought to the beach back with them
1: So we were having a problem with people, you know, they, they're having these elaborate campsites now that have got several tents connected to each other. You've got chairs and all of this heavy beach equipment and they don't want to take it down and reset it up. So they leave it there overnight. And the problem with that is, you know, a female comes up, she's 400 pounds in the dark lumbering with flippers, not feet, doesn't have feet. So she's literally dragging a 400 pound body with her elbows And she gets up to the soft sand and she hits something. It could be anything. I've had them hit a one lone beach chair. Turn around, frightened, crawl as fast as they can back to the water. And they might try again later that night. If they run into something again, then they're going to be scared and go back into the water. And depending on how much energy they have, they'll likely release their eggs into the ocean. Because every two weeks, they get a new... Clutch follicles are forming. They have to ditch the clutch that they didn't dig a hole for because there's they got to make room for the new clutch. So every two weeks, four to six times in a season, maybe um, we have one turtle who lays eight in the season. She's a grandma. she's a mother, a super mom. So uh, leaving a leaving an item on the beach can cause a whole nest to be dropped into the ocean because they're afraid wow. of what they run into.
0: Mm-hmm. I've been, you know, coming to the Island over, you know, 47 years. I've seen sea turtles hatch exactly once. How rare is it mm-hmm. to actually see them hatch? You know, and this was like right at you know, sunrise. How rare is it to see them hatch? And if you see them hatching and moving mm-hmm. down the beach, what should you do?
1: So they're reptiles and they hatch over a three day period. So hatching and emerging are a totally different, um, thing. So they all hatch within three days of each other and they're moving around in the nest cavity, you know, kind of um stretching their wings, drying out, and they're curled up in a ball when they're in the, the egg. So they've got to straighten out and move around. And then that foot of sand that was supported by all of those eggs is suddenly moving around. So the nest starts to collapse at the top. And that's how you know it's coming. Um, But they're going to wait to come out when they feel that the temperature of the air has dropped. So that's when the sun goes down. And depending on the heat of the day, if it's a really hot day, it's going to take longer for the sand to cool down. If there's a rainstorm or any rain at all, they'll probably come out pretty early because the water cools it, um, the temperature of the air as well. So it depends on, they can't see out of the hole, so they don't know if it's light or dark outside. They just know that the temperature has changed. So it's likely that you can find one if a storm rolls in during the day, one might hatch. And they still find their way to the water because they're looking with their eyes. You you can't help them um, because they're endangered species. It's a federal offense to touch them. So you have to watch them, maybe keep the predators off of them. That would be appreciated. And if they're going the wrong way, then I would call somebody let a lifeguard know and and they'll call me or one of the turtle patrol to come over and handle it and we have a permit to do that so uh the entry into the water is very important so they they use your eyes to find the water and then when they enter the water they swim against a wave rotation and waves are circles they're not just a hump on the water they have an underwater half and when that rolls in and it hits the, the sand on the bottom, that bottom half of the circle breaks, and that's where you get the wave break. But when they're heading offshore, they're going to he- position themselves 90 degrees into that wave to know that they're heading east. And within 30 minutes of swimming for the very first time, they set the magnetic fields in uh, the magnetite in their their brains connect, and they can navigate the entire planet for the rest of their lives. If you don't give them that opportunity, and they don't get to encounter the wave action and that sort of thing, then they might not be able to navigate. So it's imprinting in a way, but it happens in the water. Uh, it's important that you know you know what you're doing if you do. Um, Come across one because uh, just picking them up could change their whole feature. Sure, <laughs> so, you know, um, placing them where they shouldn't be.
0: You are the only person authorized to actually transport injured turtles um, and I believe dolphins for rescue. Why is that, and what is involved?
1: So the live transport, uh, there's a lot involved with, and it's usually sea turtle. We don't rehab marine mammals. Um, we have had a situation where SeaWorld came up and got some manatees out of Palmetto Jean's golf course. But um as far as dolphins and whales goes, you usually when unless it's a mass stranding, uh when they when they do come up to the shore, they're basically so weak that they cannot fight that minimal surf that we have on Hilton Head, and they'd rather die on the beach than get eaten alive by a shark. So it's um a situation where a, a vet would come out and euthanize um, a whale or a dolphin that's that's so sick that it's just, you know, in that situation. With sea turtles, there are a lot of other things that can happen, and we can mitigate them by taking them to, to the hospital, the Sea Turtle Care Center at the South Carolina Aquarium. This place is probably the most progressive sea turtle hospital in the country. It's got... The, they repair cataracts, they've got CT scans, they use stem cell therapy, it's, it's amazing what they can do. So if we have a boat strike and the turtle is still alive, or maybe the turtle is emaciated because it has a blockage from eating plastic, you know, they can fix that. So typically, and not this winter, because it really didn't get that cold here, but in Texas, for example, they're having all these turtles that got cold stunned. So the water temperature got much, much uh, cooler than it normally does. And because the reptiles, they can't manage their body temperature and they got so cold that they can't move. It has happened here before. If you're transporting a turtle like that and you get into the car and you turn your heater on, they're not going to make it. They have to be at the same temperature they were found at. And then slowly their temperature is brought to speed. So in other words, I'll pull up, put them in the back, turn my air conditioner on in January (laughs) and head on down to Charleston. And when they get the turtle, they will slowly bring the body temperature up to where it needs to be. There are temperature gauges in the ambulance, the turtle ambulance. There are um, plenty of water, things that um, you wouldn't, just put a turtle in the back of a pickup truck and, and take it to Charleston. In other words, yeah. a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, more There's a reason that. there's
0: one person that's allowed to handle the turtles. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot involved in it. Um, yeah. How can can people learn uh, more about the turtles and and potentially uh, support uh, the turtle program?
1: We are a nonprofit, 501C3. We have a website at SeaTurtlePatrolHHI.com. It is not the coastal discovery museum it's not an adopt a nest program those are all programs that we don't benefit from we are our own organization that will take donations through our facebook page and our website and we also started last year a nest dedication program so we we give we reserve nests for dedication every nest has one dedicator it's not a set fee just You just donate whatever you can afford. Um, And then we get back to you on the results and where it was located and all of that good stuff. So that last year was launched, and it was very successful. So we plan to do that again um, starting, uh, I believe, April 1st. And uh, that's also on the website. You can find that under the Nest Dedications tab. Okay. And then that's... um, that's it. I mean, attending turtle talks, learning more helps us out because we don't have to mitigate all of the things that, that go wrong on the beach when it comes to human impact and, and that sort of thing. Kind of spreading the word to visitors and, and people that you see that are doing the wrong thing. Sure. And not nobody's paid in our organization. We really are focused on outreach almost as much as we're focused on monitoring the nests and the research that we do on the beach. That really is how you can help the turtles just by supporting the um, educational things. But also it's nice to have a nest dedicated to you.
0: <laughs> I'm sure that, uh, that even though, you know, it's, it's a volunteer staff, uh, nobody's paid, it's still an expensive endeavor. What type of financial support is needed to keep that program going?
1: Well, uh, I have been very pleasantly surprised, um, you know, there are other organizations on the island that support us. In fact, there's one that I started with another Sea Pines resident that's called Turtle Trackers, and they are now their own 501c3, and they support us with um, donations and outreach. We've gotten donations from the Women's Association of Kelton Hood Island, Palmetto Dean's Cares, all of these different um, organizations who do their own fundraising and then donate to, to programs that they feel strongly are important on the island. So the community of Hilton Head supports our sea turtle program. It's amazing how much support we do get. And we are trying to be more inclusive. Um, You know, when people ask us questions, we basically give them a little turtle talk on the beach. We want everybody to be involved in some way, whether it's just knowledge or, or feel some sort of ownership for the program. Because, before, for in a different management situation, it was more reserved. And I, when I took it over, I felt like the community needed to feel like it was their program. And I feel like I'm starting to accomplish that. It's slow going, but uh, we're in the paper, we're in the magazines, you know, we try to get out there so everybody can feel like they know about the turtle patrol and what we're doing out there and ask their questions and, and come to our presentations and learn more.
0: That's that's fantastic. Some amazing information. Uh, hope people uh, check out some of their sites. Uh, Amber, thank you for your time today.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you.
0: Sea Turtle Patrol Hilton Head Island is on Facebook and Instagram. You can find them by searching at H-H-I Sea Turtle. That is at hhi sea turtle once again sea turtle patrol hhi.com is the website and there is a donate button right on the home page if you would like to support the efforts of the sea turtle patrol and if you visit spartinacharters.com the home of amber's charter boat company and click marine life stranding button at the top of the page there is information about amber's work with the south carolina department of natural resources and the spartina dolphin and sea turtle stranding response fund they rescue dolphins and sea turtles that are injured or sick and get them healthy and back out into the wild 100 percent of all donations to the spartina dolphin and sea turtle stranding rescue fund Go directly to rescuing dolphins and sea turtles all great efforts to keep the wildlife healthy and that is one of the things that makes hilton head island the special place that it is see you next time as we travel down 278 to lighthouse road